Welcome everyone to episode 77 of the Slow Spin Tidy Podcast. My name is Paul and joining me as always are Rob and Amanda. What's up you guys? Hey peeps, what's happening? Yo, yo, yo. what's up? Hey peeps, it's a new thing. Yeah, I didn't hey, like peeps. it. I'm never doing that again. Hey, but peeps. Hey, peeps. Yeah. <laughs> I instantly regretted that one, but <laughs> tried to own it and then you called me on it and now I'm like, yeah, if, never again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of things we'll never do again, uh, what, 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 what are we talking to the, the free show? Drink, no. drink too much, you're leaving uh, right, too, so yeah. you feel like death. <coughs> yeah, drinking too much. Well, if you want to hear more about that, then you should listen to the free show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash podcast. But let's get into the show. We also talked about sandwiches. And J-Bold, if you're listening to me... I am properly angry about your last episode and sandwiches. So we're going to have to square that up, buddy. (laughs) All right. So here is what we're going to talk about today. I made a bunch of research on to the first tour de France. And I'm going to read a bunch of my research. Again, you guys can react to it. And at the end... I'll ask a question and then we can discuss about it. Okay. How does that sound? Sounds brilliant. Perfect. We're talking about this because the first edition and like a few others, but mainly the first edition of the Tour de France, people were writing fixed gear because it's the only thing that existed at the time, right? Do you know why the Tour de France even exists? Which is actually the biggest to like to this day it's the biggest cycling race in the world do you know why it exists no to compete against the best riders in the world yes it's not even like a proper like let's find some really really good people and make them compete against each other it's not that it is just a communication scheme so what? let me explain it to you so our friend Henri Degrange, former cyclist and editor of the sports magazine Lotto, which means the car in French, but I don't know why. So he was coming from the Marseille Paris race with his colleague Géo Lefebvre. And oh my God, I'm going to have so much fun making French accents today. I told you, this is the accent you really nail well. <laughs> It's the only episode I nail. Yeah. Your mother tongue. (laughs) They were thinking about like some communication to give the magazine they were working for like a well-needed push. And in 1903, they decided to create a cycling race only for the sole purpose to promote the said magazine and tried to fight against another sport magazine, Le Vélo, which means the bike in French. And that it's the only purpose of why they decided to create this race at the first place. It's just, okay, just we need to sell more copies. Yeah. Let's make a race and talk about the race in said magazine. And let's just sell a ton. So they organized a race and then <laughs> it has to be postponed a month. And they had to raise the price money because nobody was entering the damn thing. 
But finally, the riders took place on the starting line on the 1st of June, 1903. Wow. So to give you context, 1903, everybody on the starting line is riding fixed gear. 120 what? years ago. So between that, you have like single speed and stuff, right? People like switching their will around, etc. The first derailleur appeared in 1937. Wow. That's more than three decades later. So everybody on the starting line is riding fixed gear because it's only fixed gear at a time. And it's the only thing there is. Had the freewheel been invented? So the freewheel was actually only a few years later. And you'll have like a freewheel on both sides of the hub. And mm. riders will actually stop to flip their wheel around for a lighter or heavier ratio. But you also need to remember that back then, the roads were like gravel roads. And the bike that they were riding, they had terrible, and I mean terrible ergonomics, awful mm. leather saddles, and they weighted a fucking ton. I can't imagine what that bike quality was like. So I did put a picture of the first winner of the Tour de France and his bike into the dock. And I'll also put it into the show notes, of course. Uh, he doesn't have any brakes. Men, look at this handlebar. Look at this. I always say that this the Scream uh, Ranger is longer than a truck. This is longer than a Scream Ranger. <laughs> and the guy is just carrying everything from like tubes, water, a pump, like everything. That frame bag. That frame bag. So the first man to win the Tour de France was Maurice Garin on his La Française bike uh, that was weighing a healthy 18 kilos, which is almost 40 pounds. No helmets, no brakes, wood rims, flat pedals, and carrying, like, like I just said, extra tube, a pump, water, so much stuff, and probably some... Hidden the things into that quote frame bag. So it was against the rule at the time to receive external help, and that's why he's carrying everything. But we'll talk about that later. The bike from La Française all made top five this year. And Maurice Garin, our winner of the first Tour de France, he also won the Paris Brest Paris this year. He was like, actually an impressive dude but holy shit that bike how didn't he do it brakeless without any straps i don't know or man clips. yeah with those sapatos man <laughs> <laughs> and like he has like a cot it's probably wearing everything cotton yeah mm, yeah let's talk about how fucking hardcore was the first tour de france and how impossible it would be to reproduce today so stages, like we know to them, they didn't really exist. You had to go from A to B in a maximum of 18 days. You had still a few checkpoints in between, but you could count on basically no one. The entry fee was around 100 euros in today's money. So it's all right, I guess. And riders, of course, immediately started to cheat by taking trains, sabotaging others competitors bikes like doing doing french stuff to be real <laughs> like 
just imagine taking place into a bike race and just cycling to the closest train station to actually take a fucking train. It's only after a few days that the organization decided to post a few stewards along the road to ensure that every rider was actually staying on the road. You had to do a toll of 2,428 kilometers, starting from Montguéron, I think, and going to Lyon, Marseille, Toulouse, Bordeaux, Nantes, and it ended in Paris. If you compare it to today's Tour de France, there was only like a few hilly sections, like the Col de la République, at I think 1100 something meters above sea level. That's 3800 feet. But it was, I wouldn't say mostly flat, but it was just a bit hilly. You didn't have like mountain section like you have today. Hmm. Also, competitors had a few tricks up their sleeve. It was pretty common to hire pacers, like you would hire like a mercenary to do the dirty Ooh. work. And so they are not what? part of the actual competition. They will only do like a day or two and they will pull the rider that paid them, you know, just like mm. drafting them. And then they will go on to the next well-paid job. Wow. Proper mad. cyclist mercenaries. Wow. And then, after the first Tour de France ended, etc., so it made some. It actually made some noise, and the magazine, that whole communication scheme, and actually worked really great because they went to selling twenty-five thousand copies to sixty-five thousand copies, and wow. the other magazine, okay. Velo, they actually had to shut down. No way. Nobody was buying the other magazine anymore. And that magazine, Lotto, it still exists today under a different name. L'Equipe. 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 So, of course, it was such a big success that the Tour de France was scheduled again the next year. And the cyclists that won the Tour de France, they became like national heroes. So Maurice Garin, he returned to the Tour de France, but he ended up disqualified. But was the prize money that he won in 1903, which totaled 6,000 francs at the time, which is in today's money, $60,000. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Like inflation. Lot. I put that into the, infla into the inflation calculator uh, <laughs> into Google and I was like, Holy shit, that's $60,000. That's crazy. You know what How he... 60000 Yeah. So do you know what he did with all that money? You could think like he opened a bike shop or a cafe, or restaurant, like something that is kind of around cycling maybe. Nah, man. This motherfucker, he bought a gas station and what? he worked what? there for the rest of his life. What? <laughs> The oh dude was God. like, let me win the hardest cycling race in history and then spend the rest of my life pumping gas for cars. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, just, he was just so fed up of biking. He just won the best race. And he was like, well, I can't top that. So I'm going to just pump petrol. <laughs> I'm going to pump petrol. So there isn't footage of the, four, of the first Tour de France because I don't even think video was there at the time. 
but no. you have footage of all Tour de France and I watched them and you can see even 30 years later, it was mayhem. People would just, so of course, no helmet, they actually mm -hmm. transitioned to road bikes, but people would literally run into bars and drink like two bottles of wine, put like what? take a third one to to put into the uh, into the frame into and the frame, go yeah. on to their merry way. People would chain smoke along the course nonstop. <laughs> People were properly hard. People smoked. There was a lot of drugs and a lot of smoking, really, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think I think drugs actually came after like performance dr drugs. Not performance drugs. I just mean dr like speed. Oh, yeah, I People don't know. Took yeah, maybe. actual drugs. Fucking hell, man. Anyway, so my question to all of that story is: with bikes and racing conditions evolving every year, what was? A wonderful some wonderful ideas that should never have happened and what would it cost to even remotely try to make something as hardcore today mm -hmm. for example um if i'm thinking about something that should have never happened maybe road bikes should have never happened <laughs> and people would still do the tour de france fixed gear today that would be <laughs> that's a little bit too extreme I'll give you that, but that's just an example. I don't know. Do you guys have any ideas? But um, can't you do Paris-Roubaix? Um, fixed gear? Fixed? You can. Didn't Diego did it. Yeah, did Diego it? did it. You can, but it's like, it's not even by UCI. It's like an amateur thing yeah. organized by... Yeah, like organized. Yeah, yeah. by an even organizer an the event. same weekend as the Paris-Roubaix, but there is nothing in common. Okay. But it's still pretty fucking hardcore. Diego told me he did the the parube with all the cobblestones and everything, and his really? multi tool that he had into his back pocket, actually, what only was the vibrations, it disassembled itself. <laughs> it ended up into pieces. When did he do that? I think it was two years ago. So what would it take to make like an hardcore race today? I was thinking like mountainous, snowy. Kind of, you don't see like an off-road snow mountain gravel race. Well, you do see some, but like really hard. Yeah. Have you like seen clips of that mountain bike race called like the Make Avalanche? Mm, no. So they start at the very peak of a mountain. So it's actually like a, a ski resort. And everybody is on the widest starting line you've ever seen. So... I would say easily 30% of the riders are at the first line, right? Mm. You end up with something super wide and they go down that Oh shit, slope. yeah, 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 that's fucking And then nuts. you have the first corner and everybody's heating shit. It's, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's what, that, that is a gnarly race. Yeah. There's some amazing clips. There's some GoPro clips, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine track lacrossing that. Bro, no. No. <laughs> you die. <laughs> I would, like, seriously, I would love to try it more. I did some snow track lacrosse, but I would love to try out into an actual ski resort. Even, mm. like, with the most mellow slope ever. I think it would be fun. Mm. Yeah. I Well, back in British Columbia, when I was mountain biking in the Rockies, 
Uh, sometimes I'd be like high up in the Alpine, so high that um, there's snow at the summit. And you start the trip, like the descent and the trails, and there's you're basically riding in snow, and it's quite difficult to control uh, your front wheel. And, it, and yeah. if the snow is fresh, you're not seeing anything. Like you don't yeah. know if there's a rock, if there's a hole. Yeah, exactly. It's just snow. Yeah. <laughs> How would yeah. use that? <laughs> and that's on a mountain bike, like full suspension. So I can't even imagine on a track wheel cross. No suspension, no brakes, smaller yeah. tire. Yeah. No, I reckon it would be fun. But at least you got the snow to absorb your fall when you crash. <laughs> <laughs> you eat shit. Just a mellow one, you know, just a small, small one. Mm. A blue one. Wait, wait, which one is the easiest level? Blue, green? green. Blue is the green or blue? I can't green. remember. Green. Green. Yeah, just a green one. Green. You're talking to a ski instructor and a mountain biking instructor. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Is it not like purple or turquoise? No, it's turquoise. I reckon it's the easiest lavender. is double black. Double black. Double black. Yeah, that's the easiest. How can you get double black? Is black not just double black? black diamonds? Oh wow! I'm being sarcastic. It's the hardest. Yeah. Any ideas, guys? Around the world. Around the world. Everyone sets off together first to make it around the world. That sounds a little bit long. Why can't it be long? I don't know. <laughs> you said it next if i'm watching a race it's probably for like a weekend or a week but like you watched the france it's on for like 18 or 21 how many stages is that it was 18 days 18 days yeah yeah wow there's the race around rwanda that just ended on a volcano like like some some kind of mario kart shit when you have like yeah. cores and then you end up at the top of the volcano, and then you deep inside the you deep inside the volcano. Yeah, I've got another idea, like a really cool like warehouse with a goat cart track and like brake lit fixed brake lit, and they have to enter. And oh yeah, that's been done, bro. That would totally be rad, and I think <laughs> it would be a good race. We should call it the rad race. Shit, that's genius, bro. Holy shit. Yo, low key though, when I move back to montreal if i do i might want to try and organize a go-kart fixed gear race you should yeah try and put that together do you think it's hard to organize because okay rad race is making one mission is making one but that's literally one for europe one for america is there not one in london on the outskirts in an old go-kart track i don't know who does it is it yeah someone mentioned it but I'm not sure if it goes on yearly, but it has been done there. But yeah. I don't know. The guy that had the idea of like, let's make a fucking fixed gear crit on a go-kart track. Respect. Is a, yeah, mad respect. That's a great idea. That's a idea. good idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. I don't know. what What is the next great idea? What is the next gnarly stuff? Volcano, man. Volcano. <laughs> Inside of a volcano. <laughs> Inside. Yeah. Inside the volcano. Yeah. I like Mario Kart as a Just team. No one makes it out alive. The only person that wins makes it out alive. That's it. That's the goal. No one will make it. <laughs> That's the goal. Oh my god. Uh, How to mix like fixed gear and squid game. Yeah. Have you guys heard of the race around Rwanda? No. It's uh basically like a huge gravel long distance race. Um, that just ended. I don't know how many kilometers it is. Maybe like 800. Mm-hmm. Not sure. Um, yeah, that would be crazy. Oh, no, it's a thousand. It's a thousand kilometer race. 
um, 15,000 meters of elevation. That'd be crazy to do that on a fixed gear. What's the limit, you think, between like gravel cycling, road cycling, like a normal race and doing it fixed gear? Because I reckon everything is durable fixed gear. It's just going to take way more time and way more effort. Yeah. But there must be a limit somewhere. What What's his name again? The guy that rides like um, a BMC track who did like the most mountainous stage of the Tour de France fixed gear brakeless. The guy did that. And I was like, how is that possible? I would never had imagined it would be possible. What's that documentary I think Red Bull did where that guy just went off and did like mad stages. We're talking about the same guy. We're talking about the same guy, aren't we? Yeah, 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 yeah. He just absolutely fucking beasts every ma- every hill. And... He's riding something like 47, 17. Yeah, it's crazy. Hmm. Put the link to the... I think the, the film is actually on the Red Bull channel. Patrick Seabase. That's the guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, What yeah, did yeah, he ride yeah. again? A BMC? Yeah, a BMC track. Yeah. yeah. I think one, one guy in our Discord actually has the prototype to his actual frame. But yeah, and the guy just decided, yeah, let me just, you know, do Tour de France, but fixed gear and brakeless and... On his own. Oh yeah, on his own. Yeah, the, I think there's like a YouTube video and there's, yeah. And his writing was so much chain slack. Yeah, I noticed that in the video, yeah. What a beast. We should have him on the podcast. We should. Do any of you know what um, the degrade, like the percentage of the hill climbs? That he was doing? Yeah. Yeah, it's on the documentary. It shows you like a map and it shows you all of the routes in the ascents. Yeah. But usually around 9% and then it goes up to like 14 it's proper mountain roads, though. Yeah. It's actual gnarly stuff. But all of the video, he just looks super comfortable. He doesn't look like he's ever really struggling. Mm. Someone should throw a race that is purely hill climb. But, well, there is one. Yeah, I know. But like the, the Red Bull hill climb is, it's a sprint. I'm mm. talking about a few dozens of kilometers of hill mm. climb. And then you make a few mm. points you get first or second or whatever and then there's the downhill hmm. and you see who can make the most points out there this will never be allowed <laughs> this will never be allowed well there is like the famous um hill slash mountain in the center of montreal it's called camelien wood yeah a lot of people go up there on their fixed gear i have some friends of mine that were able to climb it on a fixed gear and they also go down it and it's like 16 percent I think. Or maybe not 16. Maybe like 11, actually. It's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't. Maybe not 16. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. It's many percents. It's, it's some percent. <laughs> it's somewhere out there. Oh, maximum gradient. I just Googled it. It's 10. Point three. <laughs> Total bullshit Sorry. from the beginning. <laughs> wow, My apologies. Bro, I swear to God, it's 25%. It was like 25%, yeah, yeah, in my head. Hey, I've been living in Hamburg for the past six months. I, d- I forgot what hills are, yeah, okay? you do, don't you? Like, I for- completely yeah. forgot what percentage is. In- <laughs> yeah. It's the thing with hills, though, is the, the better you get, even if in road cycling, physio cycling, whatever... You always have that heel that you need to, 
I don't know, to go home, to go to work, or like you always have that one hill. Everybody、mm. has that one hill. And you actually get fitter, you know, with time, et cetera, or you don't. And then I, and then it's a problem. But most of the time when you're cycling, you get fitter and fitter and fitter. And that hill is always difficult. However, you take、mm. it, whenever、yep. you take it, it's always hard. Yeah. I don't understand why. Because if you had a bigger hill than that to train on, when you went back to the smaller hill, your daily hill, or every time you go on that hill, it wouldn't seem as hard. You want to know my theory? Yeah, I do, of course. So you get better at cycling, basically. So every time you go up the hill a tiny bit faster by using the same amount of energy. So, in the end, you're always the same amount of tired, kind of. Yeah. This makes no sense in English. My sentence makes no sense, but you get me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe in the end, you're just like a flash up the hill. If you live a thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 too, I totally agree, though. Just, you, know, you know the roots and your daily like, rides, but there's always that hill. <laughs> Everyone has that one hill within their local little route, and you're like, fuck, I know I can do it, but it doesn't seem to get easier. <laughs> yeah.、Mm-hmm. All right. What are the extreme new wave racing routes? I feel like a mix of it's fucking gnarly plus outside factors, like hard weather、mm-hmm. or some shit like that, would be like a pretty. Good combo for make some to just to make something properly hard. Yeah. But I don't know if it would be fun though. Oh, well. <laughs> Red Bull Hill Climb is fun. And Rad Race is a last man, last woman standing is fun. It's fun. Yeah. It's like the, the, the other race also, like Fix 42, just driving on a fucking highway. Yeah, Fix 42. Yeah, that's pretty good. And Alley Cats are pretty legit in terms of how, the, how creative they are. I mean, different challenges at different checkpoints or whatever. Alley Cats are actually quite an interesting concept for racing. I love when you have dumb challenges in,、uh, in Alley Cats, like making people paint their nails. <laughs> I didn't know that one, but it's pretty good. We did a Hall- one of the Halloween ones in Berlin, and our checkpoint, I was on the checkpoint, was to. Make sure people painted their nails. <laughs> What? Yeah, because each, each checkpoint had a funny challenge. And because it was Halloween, we had like red and black、uh, nail varnish and we made people paint their nails. That's hilarious. That was pretty、yeah. good. It was good.、Yeah. I had one where you could either take an extra checkpoint. Mm-hmm. Like, you actually need to go further to an other checkpoint and, and come back, or you could take that fucking giant empty keg of beer so people would strap them to their backpack、oh、my in, in the most inconvenient way. It was so funny. I think I'd prefer to do the, the extra checkpoint. <laughs> I think I would do the extra <laughs> checkpoint, though. I can't be asked. To carry a fucking yeah. bag. Yeah, I'd just be like, no chance. I'll just, I'll just ride faster and further. It's the, it's the thing when people 
you know, like you have the, the little flyer for the Alica or the Instagram post. They're like, don't forget, bring tools, bag, and a log. And you're like, oh no, not a bag, not a log. Same thing. I think I had one checkpoint. I was at the very top of a building. Not a tall building, like probably like three stories, but you had to run your way up the stairs to actually do the checkpoint. And if you didn't lock your bike, somebody will actually take it and oh, man, and plastic wrap it around yeah. a pole. That was pretty good as well. I remember in New York, they have a lot of those challenges where you actually have to go deliver a package to like the 88th floor in some like in some office. And you literally have to like be a messenger as part of the alley. Hmm. Maybe uh, the alicats are the legit son of the first word of friends. Hardcore shit. Alicats are hard. Yeah. Because um, you're always stopping and going, stopping and going. And it's exhausting. There's no route. You just have to yeah. find your route yourself. Yeah, it's an amazing well. concept. There's yeah. no route. <laughs> Did you guys do some alicats? Yeah, I've done some alicats in Montreal. What was it like? Uh, my first ever Alley Cat uh, was in 2018. 20, um, it was at the biggest Alley Cat in Montreal called um, La Course des Morts, the Race of the Dead. Mm. And it's on, uh, every year on Halloween. I might have already talked to you guys about this. Um, yeah, and like everyone in Montreal gets together. And I think there's like maybe between 50 and 80 riders. And we all start at the same spot and we all go to the first checkpoint, which is really cool together together between the streets. Like everyone starts at the same moment. Mm. So yeah, we're like stopping traffic and stuff. I've participated in a lot of checkpoints and like organization. And same here. I like to be the checkpoint guy. <laughs> it's fun. No, mm. it's being the checkpoint guy is fun. I mean, I'm stoked to see everyone giving out their best. You know, it's great. I remember one I did in Tokyo. It happens every year and it has the coolest name ever. The race is called I Am The Law. <laughs> and it changes every year. But one year he had that kind of system where it was a point system. So basically the one was the most point wins, but you had checkpoints. And every time you go to a checkpoint, you get a certain amount of points. So you had like checkpoints really close to the, to the starting grid. Uh, there was like maybe like one point, two points, three points. But then you had like a destination that was on the other side of the city. And mm. Tokyo is really, really big. And it was like 70 points. You need to finish under two hours. Oh, God. So people actually made the choice to... I'm not going to take any checkpoint. I'm going to go the 70 points checkpoint and I'm going to come back. And that dude won. Because if you if you were making all the little ones, like all of them, I think you could get like 80 points max. But nobody mm -hmm. was able to do them all. And the dude that, that actually went to i think it was tokyo skytree and came back won 70 points and finished first wow okay that's that's hardcore that's a cool concept but you need a big city i guess 
Yeah. All right. Anything else we have to say about races? Um, well, we talked about the Tour de France. Yeah. And I think it's um, important to just uh, mention and celebrate the fact that last year was the first ever official and real Tour de France for women. All right. So, yeah, more to come. Wait. So it never existed officially for like the longest time, right? Uh, yeah. So basically, um, since like 1955, there's always uh, different types of events and races uh, for women, but it was never the official Tour de France. There was different races like called the Women's Tour or yeah, just other different types of names. But none of them were ever supported officially by the, the Tour de France. That's kind of fucked, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so last year was the actual first official Tour first de France. official. But yeah. they were not racing the same distance, right? Or something like that. It had its own eight-day calen race calendar. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain if it's the was the exact same routes. But I think it was... Almost the exact same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some very similar. Okay. Yeah. And it was uh, sponsored by Zwift. And they signed a four-year sponsoring contract. Oh, nice. There was yeah. one sponsor for the entire race? Like one main sponsor? I think so. Shit, wow. Well, like, they're sponsors from every single team. Um, but, like, the main official yeah. sponsor is Zwift. The main the official de... sponsor should be the Tour de France itse itself. No, I think people like the Tour de France get in funding and sponsors. But the Tour de France is organized by the AS uh, ASO. The ASO? What's that? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what it stands for, but I know it's the ASO. Well, short and sweet episode about bike races. Nice. Hardcore stuff. I enjoyed that. A little shorter than the usual, but we all need holidays out there. I actually know already what next episode is about and you guys probably aren't gonna love it yo it's like a that. surprise Big all surprise. right people that's all gonna right. be it for this episode of the slow spin Sadi podcast let me find my outro yeah here it is everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog slowspinsidey.com along with the various articles and write-ups i post every two weeks Slowspin Society is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you get some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash podcast to join the community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the extended cut. Special thanks goes to our 46 Patreon supporters wow. making this show possible and ad-free. We love you guys. Thank you. You can also find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes. Oh, I was Instagram account at Society. Rob is at Kerzi.co. Amanda is at Amanda Seberger. And I go by at underscore poll underscore you. As usual, sharing the podcast with your friends is by far the best and easiest way to support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. Music for the show is Loveless Windler by Maria. And the illustration is by me. All right, people. Yeah, as always, thank yeah. you to everyone. Thanks for the feedback on the Scream episode. I'm glad everyone really liked that. That seemed to get some good yeah. uh, good conversation going. So thanks to everyone, as always. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Back we'll see you soon. in two weeks. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Have bye. a good week, everyone. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Tschüssi.